From Welcome Villain Films, the studio that brought you the horror hit Malum, as well as Beaten to Death and Hunter Killer, comes their newest nightmare, Mind, Body, Spirit, now available on digital. Directed by Alex Haynes and Matthew Miranda, and produced by Dan Asma, Mind, Body, Spirit follows Anya, an aspiring yoga influencer, as she embarks on a ritual practice left behind by her estranged grandmother. What starts as a spiritual self-help guide quickly evolves into something much more sinister. As Anya becomes increasingly obsessed with the mysterious power of the practice, she unwittingly unleashes an otherworldly entity that begins to take control of her life and her videos. Now, Anya must race to unlock the truth before her descent into madness threatens to consume her mind, body, and spirit. During its festival tour, which stops at Chattanooga Film Festival and the Unnamed Footage Festival, Mind, Body, Spirit garnered praise from critics who call it a found footage version of Hereditary and a knockout found footage horror movie for the live stream era. Experience the first ever yoga-themed found footage horror film and don't miss the film viewers have called extremely frightening and upsetting. Available now on digital anywhere you rent or buy movies online, including Prime Video and Apple Plus. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's the show that we recommend. What is The Briefing Room? It's a behind-the-scenes look at how the criminal justice system works and the lives of the people within that system. If you love true crime, well, these are the real people who do the job every day of making sure justice is served. Hi, I'm Detective Dave. I'm Detective Dan. Together, we have decades of experience in local law enforcement, a profession that we think is often misunderstood. So we're going to explore how to do it right, and we won't shy away from when it's done wrong. These are stories you'll hear nowhere else. Unique, frank, and unvarnished. From the team that brought you Small Town Dicks, this is The Briefing Room. Episode 1 drops on August 30th. We'll meet you in The Briefing Room. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com And welcome back to Little Cuts, our weekly mini-sode where we dig into the things that we've been watching recently. I'm Terry. And I'm Mary Beth. This week, we're talking about food and horror, mm-hmm. surgery and sex, mm. a return trip to Hawkins, and Cary Grant's hilarious reactions the movie. Yeah, we are. But first, happy Pride, everybody. Yes. This is our first episode in June. Happy, happy Pride. I know that both Terry and I are doing a lot of stuff. This Boy. month for Pride. Terry, what are you doing oh. this month <laughs> on your side of things? Uh, well, it's the Pride. start of, of Gaily Helpful again, and we're oh, raising funds for the uh, Transgender Law Center. I, it's going to be a little bit, I think, smaller than last year, but I think we will have enough articles to post every single day, at least one article, sometimes two. We're going to have a couple events going on through uh, through June. I know... Um, Chandler Bullock, the host of the Beauty of Horror podcast, is going to be doing um, a couple events. 
and um, hope sometime maybe in June he'll be on our show. Sometime June, maybe July. I can't remember when, but he's going to be on our show at some point <laughs> in the near future. But yeah, he's doing some events for for it. And like I said, we're trying to promote queer creators and also um, raise some mon- money. Some muns? I was going to say muns. some muns. We're going to raise some I muns. Was- I was going with it. Or I was writing like, about some buns. I don't know. what What is even <laughs> happening now? Uh, please take this away from me. What, what are you doing in your <laughs> side of the, the internet, Mary Beth, for Pride? So for Andred Central this month, we're running a ton of queer content, um, a ton of articles from writers that have been on the show, that ha- haven't been on the show. We have really cool video content launching and going up. It's just... Really gay stuff all month. Um, it's gay. It's gay. And letting people know that Dread Central will always publish queer content. Just not just not just during Pride Month, because now Dread Central is run by two queer people, myself and my managing editor Josh Corngut. So we're just trying to use this month to really be like, hey, this is a really gay place now. And then hopefully people I think people already know that kind of but it's just like another way to be like hello I mean I posted an article on your site before we got to pride and people seem to like about AIDS yeah (laughs) and people absolutely loved it so we're here we're queer read our shit thank you (laughs) support us we're here we're queer read our shit (laughs) yeah we just want all of the support from all of the people because I know we're both working our asses off to spotlight some incredible voices and raise some big money this month. So, yay. Happy yay. Pride. Happy Pride. Gay. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> what's gayer than food? No, that's not it. Um, Food and horror. <laughs> Love that segue. <laughs> what's gayer than food? That segue. Hmm. <laughs> Fellas, is it gay to eat food? (laughs) (laughs) Fellas, is it gay to eat a popsicle? (laughs) The way I eat it, it is. Hey! No, anyway. Oh my god. Oh, Jesus. I apologize sincerely for that. I don't even know where that came from. Exhaustion, maybe. Maybe that's what it is. Don't you dare. I see your Uh face. Don't do it. Tiramisu is, is plotting. She's plotting. All right, we got her. <laughs> we got her, folks. <laughs> <laughs> it was really tense for a moment. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it was very tense. There was a lot going on, but we got him. Anyway, okay. food and horror. Who food and horror. So you saw this movie at, I, I think it was Unnamed Footage Festival. <gasps> and um, I it tweeted about it. And the director slash star of it uh, reached out and got me a screener. And... I was honestly, before this, I'll be perfectly honest, I was afraid I wasn't going to have much to talk about this week because um, last weekend, I just want to say, last weekend was wonderful for me because I watched nothing but queer stuff. I watched so much queer stuff, but I can't talk about it yet because it's all embargoed. Yeah. (laughs) So, like, I I will be talking about it over the next two to three weeks. Um, A lot of really great queer stuff that is at festivals, that is launching on TV, a whole lot of stuff. But I watched all of that this weekend, and I was like, I'm not going to have anything I can really talk about except for <laughs> um, revisiting Stranger Things, which we'll talk about in a minute. I was like, but I managed to watch this movie, and it is the Andy Baker tape, and it is it's combining two of my favorite things, horror and food. I love food bloggers. I love food channels on YouTube, and as you know from our episode with Chelsea, and I also love horror. Shocker, I know. And so the the Andy Baker tape is about... 
Um, I mean, you talked about this on the show already, but it's it's basically um, a food blogger named J- Jeff Blake who discovers um, that he has a half-brother named Andy Baker at the same time that he is trying to get a show going on the Food Network. He's a YouTuber and like a vlogger who goes around and eats different foods at different places and he wants to get this this show. And so it's, it's about them, t- these two unlikely people kind of trying to figure out their relationship in terms of like familial relationships, but also trying to maybe work together. But there's also some horror aspects of it. And it kind of reminds me a little bit of like a, a food blogger meets creep, I would say. Mm-hmm. Yep. And um, I found it utterly delightful. Isn't it delightful? Aren't the two of them just so good? They have so together? much charisma together. Right? Like so much charisma oh. together. It. I'm so glad you liked it. Cause it's like, you know what? I think I described it as like, it's a pretty simple premise mm. that you can kind of see where it's going, but it doesn't matter because the two of them together are so good. And like their relationship, I think is what is really central to this and like how they interact with each other. And it's incredible. I also think the ending is really cool. I think it gets, a, it goes, it goes in the wit place you think at first and then it goes a little, and then it's like, I think it deviates from that a little bit too, but I am so glad that you liked it. I are did. They, aren't they both cutie patooties? Okay, they are. And I, I'm, I know I'm afraid that Brad's going to listen to this, but they are both incredibly attractive people. Come on the show. <laughs> yeah, I promise it won't make it creepy. <laughs> <laughs> it's fine. It won't be weird. We won't make it weird. <laughs> no, but it's it's an utterly... I, I really was uh, surprised at how, how lean, mean, and, and good it is. There's some... Um, really good kind of creepy moments in it. And I love some of the the ways that it plays a little bit with uh, things that we've seen it before in found footage, shall I say. Oh, I'm so glad. Oh, I, I, I say this every time, but I'm like, can you a found footage boy? <laughs> Girl, I know. <laughs> I want to resist it's it so bad. It's only because I'm bad, watching them. But... And I'm like, no, I promise this one you'll like. <laughs> you will <laughs> like this one. It won't make you watch the bad ones. It's almost like, you know, you go to like uh, a Hollywood video or blockbuster back in the day and you get to know the person that's working behind the desk and they're like, here, this is one that you'll like, you know, this where it's literally like, me. Uh-huh. Just like, you're just like, yeah, Terry, I got you try too. this one here. This is one. That that precise. <laughs> Don't look at, Don't look at the ones over here. Don't look at that one. No, no, no. <laughs> but this Those one are nothing. I'm pushing in front of you right now. Check, check yeah. this one out. That's the one you want. And oh, I'm true. so glad you watched it and liked it. And I think Terror Films is distributing it on digital. Um, yeah. I think they just announced it's coming to digital, I think, at the end of the month. Oh, is it really? This I don't know if it's end of the month, but I think it's soon. So they have, it's coming out. So uh, Andy Baker tapes bros, come hang out with us um, if you're listening to this. <laughs> Speaking of food and horror, let's talk about surgery and sex. <laughs> so I saw David Cronenberg's new film, Crimes of the Future. I saw it at a press screening, and um, folks, it's good, I will say. So, okay, so the film takes place sometime in the future, and it takes place in this really intricate world that Cronenberg has built, where surgery is performance art, people no longer experience physical pain, Mm. intimacy has shifted towards trying to find this access to pain. Mm. So Saul Tenzin, who's played by uh, Viggo Mortensen, is this performance artist whose body grows like spontaneous new organs. And he likes performance art with his partner, Caprice, who's played by Leah Seydoux, 
Let's say her name. And she will surgically removes his organs as performance art in front of people. And, like, he's known for this. And meanwhile, they're living in this world where an organ registry is trying to keep track of who is growing spontaneous organs to track human evolution and see if humans are evolving into something different now. Oh. And there's this whole, all this kind of comes together into this weird mishmash of like conspiracy and surgery's performance art, but also this beautiful movie about being an artist and being an artist, but also being trapped in your own body and trying to reclaim agency over your body when it's out of control trying to adapt to the changing environment. Like, there's a lot going on here. Very Cronenberg. Like, not everything works together. I And I think I find this with Cronenberg a lot, and I still love Cronenberg, but I think that he sometimes is a little bit too ambitious with his movies, and there mm. are some threads that sometimes are just, like, not dropped, but, like, kind of let to droop a little bit more than others. Okay. And this happens here, but I don't... That doesn't take away necessarily a lot for me. It's because he makes such a beautiful world here that, like, you want more information. Because it's so similar yet foreign. Everything is kind of dilapidated and rusty and gross. Mm -hmm. But then we're working by we. I mean, these characters are working with these, like, incredibly sensitive medical devices. So you have this very interesting tension between, like, tech... Between, like, completely bullshit... Not bullshit. Completely, like, run-down aesthetics versus surgery and how... The idea of aesthetics has shifted completely. And in terms of like what we're interested in, what is sexual, what is taboo, what isn't. And it's also a noir, a kind of like a noir detective oh. movie. Uh, Viggo Mortensen looks like a Jedi. He wears like a black hood <laughs> and then cover things over his face the whole time. He has no eyebrows. Never really explained why he looks like this the whole time because he just looks like some kind of Jedi. I, I could not stop giggling because I was like, he looks so silly. But this movie's also a little bit sillier than I expected in a dry way that was actually kind of interesting that, like, this was not a world that was being taken, like, totally seriously. And there's a little bit more kind of playfulness with what's going on in terms of, like, Viggo Mortens' character realizing his kind of his age and his own, being aware of his own body. And there's just some really interesting jokes going on here that I wasn't expecting that actually work really well. And I was trying to think of a comparison of movies that, like, if people really want to know, like, where this falls in, like, the Cronenberg Cronenbergian filmography, mm -hmm. it's got – it reminds me a lot of Dead Ringers, where there isn't a lot of gore. A lot of okay. it's, like, internal body horror. So, like, okay. there are things going on inside of your body, but there isn't a lot of goop. Like, there are obviously – shots of people getting surgery and that are pretty graphic but it's not it's body horror to me in a really horrific way and that your body is biologically rejecting you and it's what your how your body is trying to cope how you yourself are trying to cope with a body that doesn't seem to want you to be alive oh wow and that to me is pretty scary i think as i'm getting older and as you know things happening in life and stuff there's a lot of a lot more horror that isn't gory, but more just being making you very aware of your physical body and mm -hmm. what it means to have a physical body, which I thought was really interesting. I think it's body horror done in a very different way that is more akin to Dead Ringers. Don't go into it expecting, like, <clears throat> the fly or okay. anything like that. It's not that gory, which isn't a bad thing. It just, it's not, right. it's not the mm -hmm. huge, like, body horror, like, goopy masterpiece you but it's, it's much more subdued. But I think it's good. I like that. I did see a lot of the design of some of the, like, 
these like surgery pods and stuff very much look like he took from his son. Oh. <laughs> from Possessor. Yeah. I was I, like, it was giving me getting... a Possessor vibe, honestly, and some it of like gives... maybe a little bit more rusty. It's got like Possessor Possessor ish vibes. It's not as like complicated. It is comp I don't know. It's it's they have like they feel like they would exist in a similar universe. Like mm. Possessor is what happened before. It almost mm. feels like it feels like something went wrong. But I really, really, really enjoyed it. I wasn't sure at first. So I was like, mm, I don't, where is this going? And then it just, it sold me. It, it's weird. It's sweet, no. <laughs> which was bizarre. Um, <laughs> That's not the word I expected to come out of your mouth. <laughs> no, it wasn't either. <laughs> yeah, it's really weird. Very Cronenberg. Not as transgressive as I think it could have been, but that's okay. okay. That's okay. I think. People are going to think it is. I just don't think it's that transgressive. It could have been so much more. But that's not a bad thing. I'm just saying from my personal standpoint, it could have gone a lot weirder. It gets really weird, but it felt to me like this was Cronenberg trying to be weird without it going to like crash level territory of like fucking in car accidents. Like there's one scene and it's in the trailer where Leah Sido is like licking an incision. I'm like, they could have done more of that. They didn't, which was like a slight bummer, but I guess I get it. I wanted people to lick more incisions. (laughs) Put your tongue in that laceration immediately. Oh. That's the worst thing I've ever said, I think. And I've said some bad shit, and that's pretty gross. Ooh, paper. Never mind. I have so many images in my head. (laughs) Well, I'm really. Okay, so. No, I want to linger in this a little bit no, longer. Just do it. <laughs> just do it. Doing it. Like, just open that wound and jump in there. Oh. Um, oh. That was disgusting. I'm so sorry. <laughs> there, are, there are people who are going to watch this movie and probably discover something about themselves. And I don't mean that in a bad way, because I think this, this does present... It presents surgery in, like, a, almost a BDSM play setting, where there are yeah. people... In play scenes, and people are, are observing and walking around and jumping in and being a part of them. So it is presented as a very like group, group sex situation. That's not just art; it is sex, mm. group sex, um, which I thought was really cool. I'm I'm excited to see it. I'm hoping to maybe hopefully see it this weekend. I don't know. We'll see if I if I'm able to. Um, as I've said on the podcast before, I'm not very familiar with. Cronenberg's work. Uh, this is a cue to Joe if you're listening to ping me again about doing that thing that we've been talking about. Because, <laughs> but yeah, to to ping, to ping me, Joe, um, because I, 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 it's not that I don't want to watch his stuff. It's that like I feel like with the amount of stuff that we have to watch, I have to have like sometimes a reason. If that makes sense. No, I literally, I get it. A lot of the movies I have I watch nowadays are because I have to watch them, which is which it sounds worse than it actually is. Like it's a good thing, yeah, but it's it like good. there's a lot of times where it's just we don't. There's only a certain amount of hours in a day, and unless yeah, it's really hard. It's really hard to schedule it. So, but you've seen the Brood. I've seen the Brood because we talked about the Brood, and I've seen the Fly, Bird. and you seen the Fly, and you I've seen, seen Dead Ringers. No. I've okay. seen, I think I've seen Eastern Promises or okay. History of Violence, whichever one has Viggo Mortensen naked fighting people in a yeah, bathhouse. Eastern, Eastern Promises. I've seen that one. And it was okay. only because of that scene. 
Sorry cool. about it. So those are obviously <laughs> from us. His, his his kind of phase where he is not in the horror, like really in the horror mm-hmm. scene anymore. But it's got brood vibes, I think, too. Okay. Um, I was thinking about that too in terms of like there isn't a lot of gore, but there's a lot of weird shit going on. Yeah. I was surprised. I was surprised. I'm glad that I liked it. Um, I was watching. I'm like, damn it. Am I just going to like all the movies I see? And I'm going to like a hack. <laughs> I'm just like, ah, the movie's good. I love all the movies. Um, but so you returned to Hawkins. I did. How was it? Okay. I don't want to like linger on it. Cause we, you t- we talked about it last week and yeah. I don't have a whole lot new to say, except I really enjoyed it. Uh, for the most part, without getting in, I, I, I still don't think, I think it's too early to really talk spoilers. Yeah. Maybe once the entire season is out, we can really kind of dig into spoiler, spoiler chat about it if we want to. Um, I will say that some of the stuff with Eleven uh, kind of bored me this season. That is 100% the most boring to me too. like it, it comes together in the in the end of this in an interesting way that i kind of saw coming yeah um from almost the very beginning but like <laughs> i thought i thought it was she's just it's too passive i just i didn't this far into the show i didn't want to have the storyline that we got i agree i'm like we, we've done this too many times mm-hmm. with her i think it's it's just getting too repetitive so that annoyed me. Um, I was a little sad that, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna talk about this character in particular, but I was really sad about the the storyline involving the people outside of Hawkins, Will, his his brother that I'm totally blanking the name on, and Mike. They're, they're sort of like and vanish. Argyle. And Argyle, who I've seen like mixed reaction to, but I love. I, I love loved- him. I thought he was great. And I mean, shout out to Eddie, the guy that plays Eddie. I think Eddie is the star of this sh- this season. I loved him so much from the very beginning. He's just... He got on my nerves at first, I will say. Oh, really? Oh, I loved him from the very beginning. I, liked, I ended up liking him, but I was like, oh, God. We're try- I was like, are they really trying to make someone the new Billy? And I'm like, oh, okay, they, they got me. They <laughs> yeah. got me. But, okay, so the, the, one of the reasons I wanted to... to to bring this show up for one well for one reason i was afraid it was gonna be the only thing i was gonna be able to talk about this week but for two (sighs) is one of them about a boy with a really bad bowl cut okay you know on one hand like they're doing my boy dirty with that hairstyle but on the other hand my hair was also atrocious in the 80s and early 90s i mean fair enough i I really hope, like, it's it's very hard to talk about this season because it's not done yet, right? I'm annoyed yeah. that this is, like, I, I've i said this on Twitter. I'm, I got a lot of people agreeing and a lot of people who were vehemently against this. I think this should have been a weekly show. Um, it makes it very difficult to talk about when it's not a weekly show. Um, it's very difficult to be, like, because at this point, I'm, like, I'm talking to my coworkers. And I'm, like, what are you watching? I'm on episode two. And I'm, like, okay, I don't remember what that was. So I don't know what I can, like, can I and I cannot talk about. Same goddamn time. They yes. all bleed together for me. <laughs> there's there's no way to have a discourse here uh, in terms of this this season. And it's and it's, like, we have to wait five weeks for the final two episodes when they could like, have been. Like, wouldn't have it just made more. Yeah, like, have it the seven weeks and then it'll be ready. Like, I'm assuming because things weren't finished. Right. Which, fucking fine. But just, like. So I just, I, I feel like that was a, a bad mistake. And it's also making me really irritated about the way that they are handling Will's character. Because mm-hmm. dude is obviously mm-hmm. gay. If the, if he's not, 
then the show is I don't know what the show is doing because he is literally <laughs> I don't know what the show is doing. <laughs> he's literally introduced the season with a, the first episode is a heroes they have to like make um like a presentation of their personal hero and he is carrying around Alan Turing and I'm sorry. Yes, he is a computer scientist. Yes, people that have studied computer scientists they probably but if you're putting it in a move in a show, a movie or whatever, you are talking about it because that character is gay and he was prosecuted for being gay. That is why you're having it. It is like the biggest queer coding of ever. They might yep. as well be he might as well be like walking with his male friend going antique shopping at this point. Like this character, they are just throwing in all of the kind of queer coding stuff. And I'm okay with them not addressing his sexuality yet because I feel that what I see in that character, I see in me when I was a kid. Like I was yeah. I was the D&D nerd. I was the one that had a lot of friends that at that age, guy friends that we'd hang out all the time, stay up till three in the morning playing Dungeons and Dragons on the weekends. And then they started to recognize, realize girls. And so his reaction last season about like, why isn't this enough? Like really resonated with me. And so I was like, gosh, I want to see what they're going to do with this character. And then to have them be forced to maybe talk about like, I feel like they never really dress it or blatantly say how Will is the the character that's playing the actor that's playing Will says in an inter interview with Variety. I think that's the beauty of it that it's up to the audience's interpretation. Fuck that noise! I am sorry. We have, as a queer person, we have been queer baited way too much in the entertainment industry to have this being presented to us. So I'm a little irritated. <laughs> And I don't know, again, it's very difficult because it could be that they're trying to keep under wraps that he is going to have a big emotional coming out in the next two episodes. Like, that is a big possibility. But it is introduced... You know that painting he keeps carrying around? Right. That, like, he... Yep. It's it's introduced. I'm hoping it's going to pay it off and they're just playing, trying to play coy at this point. But I'm going to be perfectly honest. This dialogue is the same kind of shit we have heard from Teen Wolf that we have heard in... Uh, gosh, Star Wars. We've where the characters, the actors are like, it's oh, like supernatural too. We want them to be, yeah. Like there's, there's so much of this kind of queer coding stuff that has been fed over, particularly over the last twenty years. I, I mean, you can probably go back further, but the last twenty years has become problematic to say the very least. And I am tired of when, when they say it's left up to interpretation. No, fuck that noise. Anyway, getting off my soapbox. I'm angry. <laughs> but I like the season other than that. <laughs> no, I agree with you. It's just, we're just continuing to do this whole, like, queer baiting situation. And it's like, I thought we've learned our lesson here with, like, queer baiting and, like, making it seem like the characters are great, but saying, oh, but it's stuff for your interpretation. I was like, no, we are past the point of interpretation. Mm -hmm. Like, it's the year of our Lord 2022. And, like, don't, te don't tease it as obviously if you're not going to, like, make it right. happen in the first seven episodes. You know what I mean? Like, of, cor of course they're going to get those questions in interviews. And that I mm, – I'm curious. I feel like that kid was probably like, oh, shit. What? Yeah. Well, it's either oh, shit, or he was coached to say it, that. Exactly. Either one. And, like, I wish that he had if, – if he had lots of things. One, if he had been coached, fuck you. And two, if you hadn't been coached – Buddy, I wish you had they had prepared you <laughs> to be asked questions about playing a queer character. Because, like, we don't really... Well, because we have Robin. We have our, our resident queer character, Robin, mm -hmm. now. But we could, we need more. And like you said, Alan Turing... Like, come on. You don't just pick Alan Turing. No. You don't just pick it. Come on. 
No. We're not stupid. Maybe in the real world you would, but like in cinema, in any kind that's of entertainment like, industry, that you, is like... When you can pick whatever you want to have whatever meaning. So I, 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 I'm, I'm angry and I don't know if I should be angry or not. Because again, this isn't a weekly show. This isn't something we, we have yeah. to wait. We have to wait until yeah. July whenever in order to get an answer to this question hopefully whether they're doing it or not and that i think is fucking annoying because like i can't i can't take the season as a whole and so anything that i'm saying now could be upset over the last you know two episodes but again it's the way that they are framing this this conversation and the way that that the, these words that are being used is very triggering <laughs> Yeah, no, I 100% agree with that. I think the rollout schedule for this has been very bizarre, and I think not... Again, unless something happens in Volume 2 that, like, makes total sense, but there's mm-hmm. almost nothing that I can think of that will make... Well, and I was just thinking about, like, do you remember how, like, everyone every week was chatting about Yellow Jackets? Like, yeah, that held cultural dominance for the entire episode run of that season, because it was... Every episode, there was something new to talk about. We can't have that conversation here. But I also feel like I remember... This is my thing, too. Because, like, when binge-watching, you're, like... You're not paying full attention, I feel like, all the time, either. And I feel like with the weekly stuff, I'm like, okay, I only have one hour to do this. I'll just pay attention for this hour, and I'll absorb it all and, like, think about it. And then I can, like, better enjoy... You can come online and talk with people about it. You can formulate your your ideas. And besides, these episodes are so long now. Oh, they're so long. And I feel like people are... I don't see as many people talking about Stranger Things now, because I feel like it's so hard to talk. Like, Mm -hmm. what can we talk about? Because... No one's at the same place. No one's at the same place. And you don't want to be that asshole that ruins something because you binged it over this the season the, the weekend and no one else did. Like you don't want to be that asshole. And like you also don't like you said you don't want to be that asshole. It's like oh, I don't like this at all, and it all resolves in the second volume, and right. you're like this could have been easily avoided. But then again, as critics, I think we're also I think it's very fair for us to criticize like the how they rolled it out and mm-hmm. like pointing at why like hey. That's maybe not the strategy for something like this. Right. Netflix just keeps fucking kicking themselves in the butt like, yeah. over and over again. They keep making these weird choices, but I'm glad at you At least they renewed Heartstopper. That's all I yes. care about at this point. True. <laughs> I mean, I'm excited for volume two. I think it's going to, it's setting up for some cool shit. I oh, just... it is. It's setting up for a very epic finale and I'm excited for that. Yeah. But. Very nice. Got the Nightmare on Elm Street vibes, though. Oh, my you? God. Very, yes. very Freddy. The very, very first very episode Freddy. is like... Yeah. Total Freddy. Yeah. The, the way that they take the, the scene of Chrissy and all of a sudden it's like... Yeah. It's Tina. Not as, like, bloody, but it's Tina from Nightmare on Elm Street up on the ceiling getting her bones mm-hmm. cracked in. It's fantastic. And I literally gasp when her eyes get, like... Pushed into right? her head. I was like, I did. oh, I guess so that I was, was like, surprising. Oh, okay, wow, like we really are fucking people up, um, teenagers up, mm-hmm. like. But yeah. But anyway, um, enough about me bitching about sexuality <laughs> and stranger things. <laughs> Let's talk about um, someone else who was potentially queer in real life. Yes. And let's talk about arsenic and old lace, Mary Beth. What did you think about this movie? <laughs> the first thing I was going to be like, is Carrie was like. Cary Grant rumored to be gay. Oh, yeah. Um, so that was my first question. Um, this is, 
another situation of where this was funnier than scary. It's very, it's interesting to watch the pendulum kind of swimming back and forth with these. And I don't think there's any right or wrong way to do it. It's just very funny to go from like, Abbott and Costello is very slapstick and silly to um, the old dark house is much more dry to this, which I don't think, I think it's like a little bit more in the center, though. I mm-hmm. think there are still some like really tense creepy fucking moments especially oh, yeah. with the brother with the surgery when he comes the to the house oh i was like it's so drenched in shadows but i'm am i watching the same movie because it's kind of yeah. silly like you've got cary grant being like okay well hold on so in this movie cary grant <laughs> plays mortimer brewster what a name such a what a name and mortimer brewster is a drama critic which is my favorite thing of all time mortimer brewster played by cary grant he is a Drama critic who has famously eschewed the concept of marriage. I will never get married. I'll be a bachelor forever. And then he falls in love. And he's like, no, people cannot understand, can, will never understand her and can't know that I've given up my bachelor ways for the love of my life. And she also happens to be um, the daughter of a pastor. Is that right? <laughs> yeah, I think he's a pastor. Pastor. But then he gets married. He makes a quick trip home to the house of in Brooklyn, which is – I love that Bro- what Brooklyn is in this movie versus what we know of Brooklyn now. But he goes back to Brooklyn to where his two aunts live. They raised him. And they live next to a cemetery. Like, their yard is pretty much a cemetery, and I love that. And they're so cute, and they're so sweet, and they kill old men. They they're like they, men. they put them out of their misery. They give them some arsenic, and they just – they put up room for rent sign, and they they come on in. Lonely man comes in. They poison his wine. Oh, and they also taking care of... Is it Mortimer's brother? Mortimer's brother. Mortimer's brother, who thinks he is Teddy Roosevelt, mm-hmm. who they are telling that there are just victims of the yellow fever in their base. <laughs> which is Panama. Which is the Panama Canal. Which is Panama Canal. And then it all gets crazy when Mortimer's other brother shows up, who actually is a bad guy. And <laughs> it all just his brother who's a bad guy who also has a doctor friend played by peter laurie fantastic as dr einstein who uh has carved up his face enough that he that everyone keeps can keeps thinking that um jonathan is boris karloff because his face looks like frankenstein and it is it's it's a it's a hilarious gag i think it probably would have been even more hilarious uh when this came out in terms of like being so close to because this came out in what 40 43 so this is like like around that same time a decade removed from when frank from the universal monster frankenstein came out and everyone keeps confusing him and it's it's just perfect the guy who played jonathan the serial killer brother raymond massey he is in old dark house he's the husband oh shit was he really yeah he was philip waverton so yeah, he's the he's the husband to Margaret and the friend to our oh. yeah. See that even makes more sense too because the G of the jokes now makes more, the jokes make even more sense. That's hilarious. I didn't even realize that. I didn't until just now when I checked. Well, huh? That is even funnier. But I mean, the reason why this movie I think works is because Cary Grant his his facial expressions and his reactions to things i feel like when we look at like jim carrey and like yes he has exaggerated uh facial expressions but i i feel like he is taking on a more exaggerated form of what cary grant does his cary grant's reaction mm-hmm. to like everything that's happening around him is one of like just like 
absolute panic and like, what am I doing here? How am I going to react to this? Like when he opens up the, the, the window seat and finds a dead body and his reaction to that, or when he finds out that like his answer, like, yeah, they're very cavalier about, yeah, we, we poisoned him and he's, his body's over there and it's going to be buried in our basement. His, his like reaction to it. It's, it's, it's so funny because it's, it's taking something that seems like, it's the dichotomy of of them being so nonchalant about it and him like being like in the real world of like, oh my god, how am I gonna solve this so that they don't get put in jail? And he just like he can't, oh, this is like classic man trying to juggle four thousand things at once mm-hmm. so it make everything comes together and ends up dropping it all at one time because he's like trying to what get his brother committed at one point and also <laughs> like fix all of the problems and it's. Yeah. Plus, he has a nice butt. I don't know if you noticed, but there's a scene where he like does. he falls He's... over the chair and it's like butt central, and I was like, "Oh, that's my new website, butt central." <laughs> 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 oh my god. <laughs> Ba-dum-bum-bum-bum-bum. Um, I do have to share a very fun fact I learned about Cary Grant while I was researching. Mm. Um, did you know that Cary Grant did a lot of LSD? I did. I saw that on Wikipedia. I, I did. So I don't really know much about Cary Grant. One, I know he's very attractive. Like mm. he is like that quintessential attractive, like 1940s man. Like there is absolutely no denying like what he is like that time period. I knew that he was potentially queer, mm-hmm. but I did not know that this man started doing LSD in the 50s before it was popular. Yep. And he was taking, taking it. And ter- because his wife, his wife was really into psychoanalysis. So then like he started taking LSD to like work on his problems. And I was like, wow, ahead of your time there, my, my dude. Processing your trauma with LSD in the 50s. Honestly, good for you. Yeah. <laughs> but then he said, taking, he did say later, taking LSD was an utterly foolish thing to do. But I was a self-opinionated bore, hiding all kinds of layers and defenses, hypocrisy and vanity. I had to get rid of them and wipe the slate clean. Maybe he found out he was gay when he was doing LSD or, like, he came to terms with it during a decade of doing acid. I I feel like this is one of those cases where you have um, Hollywood trying to maybe create an image. I mean, we see that even now today, right? And so, like, Cary Grant had to have this image where he was not allowed to um, um, be photographed smoking, despite the fact that he was smoking two packs of cigarettes a day. They were trying to create such a um, a persona around him that I, I do wonder if it's kind of why the queer thing kind of got bulldozed over and why he went through so many marriages and spent um, a good tw- 12 years on and off living with an actor, um, Randy Randolph Scott. And I just I, I think that I think is one of those cases where Hollywood were just trying to bulldoze over the fact that. Maybe he liked the company of both men and women. I mean... Uh, Cary Grant, please be by me, be my bisexual hero. I mean, like, the the photograph that they use at the top of Wikipedia is definitely bicurious. But also, like, isn't it absolutely insane, like, how people are still doing this and grooming people to have a certain a celebrity appeal? Like, this happens with... Like, I swear to God, I mean, come That's on. That's what I'm saying. That's definitely bi-curious. You don't like to at least kind of look at a demand's butt? I mean, come on. 
But, like, this happens with K-pop stars, where they, like, can't be seen. They, people can't know they've got a boyfriend, mm-hmm. a partner. They they can't be gay. They can't have tattoos. Like, they can't have certain things because it sullies their image and their marketability as a product and not as a person. Yeah. And, like, I know we say a lot of things now about how bad celebrity is and, like, celebrity worship. But I think it was just as bad. We just have more technology mm-hmm. to do it at, like, a creepier level. But, like, I d- I do think it's always been bad. Not that anyone's telling me that's not, but I just, it's so interesting to, like, hear that story and be like, oh, no, we've always just treated celebrities like pieces of meat and, like, have never given them any respect as human beings. Yeah, well, especially at that time, like, studios owned people. Like, yeah. you, were, you worked for a studio and you only made movies for that studio. Like, they mm-hmm. owned him. They owned his image. They owned everything about him because... They're the one paying. They're the ones paying the bill, and yeah, I mean, he made a lot of money out of it. But he was he basically worked for a studio. Like that is the way um, actors worked back then. Was you you got tied, and now I mean, you it's see where like people it. tie up like it's in, in contracts it. and stuff. But at that point in time, it was like <laughs> Marvel. Who? Yeah, <laughs> I know. <laughs> but yeah, I just also this movie breaks the fourth wall a few times, and I love that. I love that in 1940s, we're having like fourth wall breaks oh, yes. where he's looking at the camera and he's looking directly at us. Or like when he's discussing about like a guy getting tied up as the point is, is like he's secretly going to be tied up and he's like talking about it is like dramatic irony. Like I love that there's these meta moments and these fourth wall breaks in a movie from 1943. I just I love it. I know. And it's like really cool to see these really smart movies. Mm-hmm. From that time, that show, like, movies have always been pretty fucking smart and doing some really, really interesting, funny stuff, playing with form and comedy and expectation. And I kept thinking about how this is a play, right? Yeah. This was, ad- this was adapted from a play mm-hmm. and how much I really now want to see it live. I feel like they performed it at my high school and I never saw it when they did it because I feel like it's yeah. pretty common. It is. To do the play in high school. Like, it's not new, but it's done really well in this movie. Yeah. And I I was watching this like, oh, yeah, this without it, like without like really realizing it, it is very easily a play. Like it's one location. Mm -hmm. It's like you see one side of the house like you don't need anything else other than that one frame of the of the house, the upstairs and the downstairs in the basement without even going Mm -hmm. in those floors. And I just I love that. Yeah, I liked it a lot. That's why I get the Christie everybody. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Um. But then, so Terry, next week, what is next up for horror comedies? All right. So next week, we are going to the year 1959 to watch Roger Corman's A Bucket of Blood, which, uh, I mean, the the synopsis for this movie is a dim-witted busboy finds a claim as an artist for a plaster-covered dead cat that is mistaken as a skillful statuette. The desire for praise soon leads to an increasingly de- deadly series of works. And it has Dick Miller in it. I'm very excited. Very, very excited. Yeah, me too. Um, But who are we talking to on Monday, Mary Beth? On Monday, we are chatting with writer, actor, and producer Devin Doss, whose film Keeping Company is coming to digital on Tuesday, June 7th. And we talked to him about a movie that I absolutely (laughs) hated as a child, purely due to trauma, um, star vehicle for Elijah Wood and Macaulay Culkin, The Good Son. Yeah. Which does not hold up, everybody. It's so cheesy, but I still hated it. Uh, I This yeah, was a fun so. conversation. Devin is, is, he's great. He is a sweetheart. And the and movie, Keeping Company, is 
when we okay when we scheduled this i had been the only one that had seen it but afterwards mary beth was like this movie is great this movie is scarred for life approved keeping company it's scarred for life approved put it on the poster it's so good scarlet approved it's so good it's horror comedy but like dark horror comedy Mm. and like gross horror comedy it is it's pretty vicious Mm -hmm. and i'm excited for people to be able to watch it because it's real good it is really good and so you can listen to the episode on monday and then see it on tuesday yeah um so everyone you've heard from us we want to hear from you. Did you watch something that we watched and have thoughts? Do you have horror comedy suggestions for us? Please send us an email at scarredforlifepodcast at gmail.com, or you can reach out to us directly on Twitter. I am at MB McAndrews. And I'm at Gaily Dreadful. And of course, don't forget to follow the podcast on Twitter at Scarred Podcast. And please don't forget to review, rate, and subscribe. And if you're able to, can you please donate to Gaily Helpful? Because I'd love to raise please. some money for the Trans Law Center. You. Donate to Gaily Helpful. It's Pride. We're going to keep saying it all month, all month, so might as well do it now. Mm-hmm. But we're not going to stop talking about mm-hmm. it, so get used to it. Um. Anyway, <laughs> thanks, Eric Power, for our artwork. <laughs> Thank you to Sean Keller for our music. Thank you, everyone, so much for listening. Please stay safe out there. Please be kind to each other. Please take care of each other. But most of all, stay creepy. And until next time. powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. What is The Briefing Room? It's a behind-the-scenes look at how the criminal justice system works and the lives of the people within that system. If you love true crime, well, these are the real people who do the job every day of making sure justice is served. Hi, I'm Detective Dave. I'm Detective Dan. Together, we have decades of experience in local law enforcement, a profession that we think is often misunderstood. So we're going to explore how to do it right, and we won't shy away from when it's done wrong. These are stories you'll hear nowhere else. Unique, frank, and unvarnished. From the team that brought you Small Town Dicks, this is The Briefing Room. Episode 1 drops on August 30th. We'll meet you in The Briefing Room. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com. <laughs>